All right, well, we're continuing in our series called Fathered by God. For, for several weeks now, we've been looking at the process of growing in maturity and the role that God wants to play as a father close to us, near us, helping us grow and mature, that we're not meant to do that alone or on our own. And in fact, um, many of us, because of life circumstances, we maybe haven't had a good physical representation of that in our own parents. Or even if we've had great parents, I promise you they fall short. I'm aware of that as a dad of the ways that I fall short. But we have a perfect heavenly father who is there and present with us. And he wants to be engaged in our lives, helping us grow and mature. And so as we, as we begin to move into the second half of this series, we've got three or four weeks left. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk now, we're going to focus on what I'm calling conversations with God, or really conversations with our Father. And so this morning, I want to lay a foundation for that. I want to talk to you guys about hearing God's voice. And so my, my hope is, is that if this is familiar to some of us, we would find some, some strength, some encouragement. It would be a little bit of a refining time for us. But if this is new territory for you, when people talk about having a relationship with God, or you hear somebody say something like, you know, I heard from God, or God told me, or I had a sense that God was saying this, if that, if that feels unfamiliar to you, I want to encourage you my, my hope is that you'll be equipped this morning, that it would become familiar to you to recognize God's voice and his presence in your life. Whether we believe it or not, he has given us the ability to hear him. He, he made us to be in relationship with him. The, the problem exists in the fall of man and the brokenness of the world that we live in that our receptors are, are, are kind of off. They're kind of broken. And Jesus comes to heal that, and he brings us back into right relationship with God. And then we learn this new language of recognizing God's voice speaking into our lives. And so my hope is that we'll be equipped in this um, this morning as we, as we jump into this. So um, there's this, this game that my kids play. Maybe you've been sucked into it unknowingly. Um, but is anybody aware of the game where you're not allowed to say the word what? Anybody aware of this? All right, I'm, I'm seeing a few. Okay, Asher is totally aware of this. Thank you, Asher. I knew you'd be there with me, buddy. The goal is to get someone to say the word what, and then they're it. And so my kids play this all the time, and so they have a really hard time getting me, but they figured out the perfect way to get me to say what. When I'm really busy and I'm really distracted and I'm doing other things, they will just go, Dad, hey, Dad. Dad, Dad. And then finally, I don't say, what, child? How may I help you? I usually go, what? Out of total frustration. And immediately, they laugh. They point at me. You're it. We got you. And they think it's hilarious. And I'm just really irritated. And so this is, this is their game that we play. But wh why do I say that? I, I think for a lot of us, we don't realize that God's talking to us. And he wants to get our attention. And it's just for the sheer joy of being in relationship with us. And often our problem is we're just so wrapped up and busy and caught up in other things, in the cares of this life, that we don't hear him. 
We don't recognize that he actually is talking. In fact, often what we'll do is we'll wait till that exasperated moment when everything's falling apart and then suddenly I'm desperate to hear God's voice. Suddenly I I wish he was familiar to me. I wish he would show up or say something. And the problem is we haven't conditioned ourselves over the course of our lives to just be familiar with his regular daily presence. But he wants us to have that. And so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to look a bit at the life of Jesus and see how this was just a part of his life with the Father. And then in the second half of this, we're going to talk about how Jesus longs for us to have that. He intends for us to have that. And look at just kind of three simple practical ways we can begin to build this and practice this in our lives. Does that sound good? Yeah, okay. Wow, I'm really convinced that that sounds good to you. Okay. Well, like it or not, here we go. Um, In his great book, How to Pray, it's just a simple little book, really good book by R.A. Torrey. He summarizes the life of Jesus and specifically Jesus' prayer life like this. He says, Jesus prayed early in the morning as well as all night. That he prayed both before and after the great events of his life and that he prayed when life was unusually busy. These these were rhythms and routines in the life of Jesus. And so I want to walk us through this. This will be fairly quick, but I want to walk us through this, kind of a glimpse at the life of Jesus, his prayer life. Um, I've put a lot of verses in my notes. I'm going to read a few of them, but there are others there that you can digest on your own time. But this is kind of a glimpse at Jesus' prayer life. It was an essential, crucial part of his life. Um, First of all, it was a matter of consistent routine for him. It was a matter of consistent routine to spend time with his father simply for the sake of relationship. We get a glimpse of this in Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. He set aside time. Jesus was a busy guy. You read through the Gospels, and it is like he was on the go. He can relate to having a busy life like we have. But he recognized how crucial it was to have time with God. He craved it. He wanted it. There wasn't some preacher in some church that made him feel guilty if he didn't do his morning devotions. Do you understand that? It wasn't an obligation It wasn't the thing the Sunday school teacher told him he had to do. Jesus was eager and depended upon spending time with God. And so he set time aside. He set location aside. He got up early and he went to a desolate place. He went somewhere he would be undistracted to spend time with God. Morning prayer, a part of his routine. Evening prayer, Matthew 14, 23. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. He removed himself at the end of a long, busy day to spend time with God. Here's one of the things that I see about Jesus that, honestly, it convicts me about the way I view time with God. I view time with God as something I need to do, something I should do something to feel guilty about if I'm not doing it. 
Those are, those are all things I've felt over the course of my life as it relates to spending time with God. Can anybody relate to some of those feelings and impressions? Jesus wanted to spend time with God. When he had a spare minute, when he didn't have a spare minute, he carved it out to go get with the Father because he enjoyed that time, because that time refreshed him encouraged him. It connected him to the source of life. So I, I have to stop and consider there must be something that Jesus was experiencing that I've missed out on. If, if my feeling is it's an obligation or something I'm pressured to do, I must view this differently than Jesus did because he couldn't wait to spend time with God. He couldn't wait to be in his presence and I, I hope we can take his lead on that, even if that, doesn't, if that hasn't been the way it's felt to us in the past. Maybe that would even be a good starting point, just to say, Jesus, it seems like you understood something and experienced something I don't. But you said that's what your father's like, that he's that good, and that you want to spend time with him. And you've told me that part of, part of what you came to do was reconnect me to that father. So Jesus, help me figure this out. Help me experience what you're talking about. And so, God, that's my starting point. I don't know how this is supposed to look. I don't know what this is supposed to feel like. This is unfamiliar to me. But God, I want to experience you like that. Like it's good to be in your presence. And so it was a matter of consistent routine. He just developed a relationship with the Father. And then we see some examples of just times that he would go to him in prayer. Um, he would go to him in prayer for guidance, for guidance. An example of this is in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. This was right before he chose the 12 apostles. The very next verse, he comes down from that prayer meeting with God and goes, you're the guys. Y'all are the key guys that have been called to ministry with me. Are you in? There, there was a larger group of disciples that knew him and had been following him, and he knew it was time to make decisions about who these core leaders were going to be. And so he didn't sit down and strategize like, okay, which one's the best communicator and who can we trust with the money? Definitely didn't seem to make a wise choice there um, for any of you who know about Judas. Um, so he, he, he didn't have a strategy session. He didn't, he didn't call in some outside guy to come in and counsel him on what he should do. He said, I'm about to make a major life decision. I'm going to spend time with the Father and see what he's asking me to do. And shockingly enough, Jesus asked him to invite some guys in that might let him down. We might not like the guidance God gives, but when we're in need of guidance, that's a really good reason to pray. And the defining characteristic of Jesus' life is that he intended to do what the Father said. I don't know about you, but a lot of times my prayer life when I want guidance is I'm telling God what I'm expecting to have happen, and I'm looking for him to just kind of rubber stamp that. Okay, maybe it's just me. All right, he prayed for guidance. He prayed with and for his disciples. So, 
So Jesus was so familiar about being in God's presence that he was then able to pray with and in front of other people. Does that, does that terrify anybody praying publicly? It's still, when I think back to like my 17, 18, 19-year-old self, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a joke that I get up in front of people and talk and preach and pray. Are you kidding me? That's terrifying to pray in front of people. But for Jesus, it, he was so familiar at spending time with God privately that he then understood how to come and pray publicly with and for people. We see an example of this. This is the night Jesus was going to be betrayed. It, it's interesting every now and then, you know, if you've read through the Gospels and you have a sense of Jesus' life, to, to read them with like just a certain set of glasses on every now and then. And one of the things that's really interesting to do is start right around the time when Jesus is getting ready to be betrayed and go to the cross and pay attention to how aware he was of other people's needs while he was the one going to the cross. It's kind of it's wild, actually, even on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He sees his mom, and he's thinking about, I'm about to be out of her life. John, you be the, you be the son now. Mom, there's your son. He's going to be there for you. He was so considerate of other people. Well, in this moment, on the night he was going to be betrayed, he looks at Peter, and in Luke's Gospel 22, verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And Jesus knows that it will for a moment. And he says, and when you have turned again, isn't that interesting? I'm praying that your faith won't fail, but I know you're going to have some moments of failure. But when you come back around, when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Praying for other people. Um, we kind of already mentioned this a bit, but he, he prayed specifically to rest and recharge. There's a couple of examples of this. Um, you can check out Luke 5.16 later on your own. But Mark chapter 6, verse 44, this is right after feeding the 5,000. And we know from the passage, he was exhausted before that day. He was already worn down and tired and exhausted. And then all these people showed up and he had compassion for them and decided, I'm going to teach, I'm going to minister. They, then he performs the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And that day ends. And Mark 6, 46, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. He viewed time with God as a way to rest and recharge. Man, I'm so guilty of using like entertainment to do that. I'm exhausted. It's like, man, let me just get on the couch and turn on a sports game. It's not, it's not restful to watch the Astros lose game seven of the World Series. That was not restful. Glad I stayed up till 1 a.m. for that one, but... Um, just my little, I'm, I'm hurting, y'all, I'm hurting. Um, listen, it's, that, that's not restful. There, there's moments to zone out and watch TV and all that, but there's a reason that that doesn't really recharge us or energize us. But getting in God's presence, believe it or not, can do that. Jesus recognized that. And then finally, we see before and during some of life's biggest events, Jesus was in prayer. Um, 
He was in prayer before raising Lazarus from the dead in John 11. He was in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane before going to the cross. We even see him on the cross in the midst of one of the hardest moments in prayer. I already mentioned him saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's a prayer for other people. But on the cross in the midst of difficulty, and he prays honest prayers. I love this. Within a few breaths of each other, he prays this found in Mark's gospel, chapter 15, verse 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I I love the honest prayers of Jesus. That gives me permission to pray honest prayers. God, where are you right now? I feel lost. I feel alone. Everything's falling apart. Where are you? But yet in almost the same breath, Jesus is able to turn around in Luke 23, 46, It says, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So even in his most desperate hour, when some of his prayers have not been answered, do you realize Jesus had prayers that got answered with a no? Does that bother you theologically a little bit? Go, go read in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, is there any other way? Could this cup please pass from me? Yet not my will, but yours be done. And so in the midst of his hardest moment, he commits his life into the hands of his father as he breathes his last breath. Prayer wasn't this little side thing that Jesus tried to do every now and then because it was a good thing to do. This was like the heartbeat of his life on earth. This was was a rhythm of life, like getting up and breathing, like eating three meals a day. Prayer was essential to him. And primarily, the purpose was relationship with the Father. And primarily, he positioned himself not just to say things to God. I want you to think about this. He positioned himself to hear from God. He tells us in his word that the things that he said and did, he did only what the Father told him to do, what he saw his Father up to. And so prayer for him was not so much, here's my list of things I want to say, He was positioning himself to hear from the Father and he had a heart that was willing to do what the Father said. Prayer and obedience go hand in hand. They strengthen each other. I take the time to pray and to be in God's presence and when I set that time aside, I already am intending to put into practice whatever he wants to say. I think, I think maybe one of the reasons we find ourselves at time not able to hear him is because he knows we don't plan on doing anything with it. It's just, it's just a routine. It's a ritual. Do I actually expect that he might say something to me? Do I plan on doing something with it? 
This was, this was normal and essential in the life of Jesus, and so it should be for us. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I'm about to get into the practical stuff in a second. I, please, I hope you hear this. You can hear God's voice. You can. We look at Scripture and think of the people recorded there as just these unbelievable saints of God. Guys, these are normal, everyday people, many of them who screwed up horribly. I mean, Moses experienced the burning bush. You know the circumstances that led to him experiencing the burning bush? He had murdered somebody and was in the desert in hiding to escape the murder charge. And while hiding out in the desert, God shows up in the burning bush. The disciples, they were normal, everyday guys. We can hear God's voice. I thought about doing the cheesy pastor thing right here where I make you say, I can hear God's voice. I'm not going to make you do that, but maybe, maybe in your heart, maybe in your mind right now, just think to yourself, I, I can hear your voice, God. I can. Not the preacher, not the pastor, not that lady over there I've always looked up to who's just a prayer warrior, and I can hear God's voice. He wants to speak to me. I want to talk to you now about three keys. These are not the only things, but three keys that will help us develop and strengthen the ability to hear God's voice in our life. Each of these three keys, we can see Jesus um, talking about and praying for as he's spending his last evening with the disciples. If you want to do a little more reading on your own, you can read through the Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 17. It covers this, this night of just intimate, prayerful conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And it culminates in chapter 17, where in their presence, Jesus prays to his Father over them, and believe it or not, over you and I. He prays for the people who will come to him as a result of the disciples faithfully sharing the word. So Jesus prayed for you the night that he was betrayed. And so from this conversation, we're going to see three keys that will help us have meaningful conversation with God. The first one, the first key is God's word. God's word. John chapter 17, I'm just going to read verses 14 and 17. This is Jesus praying and he's talking to the Father about what he has given us, what he's given his disciples. And he says, I have given them your word. The world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctify is this idea of, of changing, of, of cleaning up, of revolutionizing our lives. I don't know if you realize this or not, but salvation is like a three-step process. All right, step one is that moment of decision where you say yes to Jesus. You know, maybe you were in a service at some point and you raised your hand, you did that lonely walk forward, you prayed with the preacher down front. Maybe some neighbor or your parent prayed with you. Like, I don't know what the moment looked like for you, but there's that moment of decision where you give your life to the Lord. 
And for man, that moment forward, you belong to him forever. You're his. He saved you. But the scripture then talks about this lifelong process that we go through where we are being saved. We are being transformed. We are being sanctified is kind of the word the Bible uses to describe that process. He's saving me from me every day. I got to tell you, I look back at the week I just had, and guess what? He had to do some saving this week. I needed some help. He uses his word to change us, to grow us. And so what I want to encourage you to do when you, when you look at the Bible, one of the ways to recognize how God wants to use the Bible in your life is to help you develop and, and recognize the language of heaven. What does it sound like to have God speak to me? Well, he spoke through his word. So it will sound like his word. It's a great way to, to kind of learn the language of heaven. So let me give you an example of this. We were talking about Paul and Timothy. Um, was that last Sunday? Yeah. yeah, just last Sunday. We were talking about Paul and Timothy. And we mentioned Paul's final letter as he's in a Roman prison and heading towards his death that he writes to Timothy. Well, in that same letter in chapter 3, he has this to say about Timothy. And I want you to look at this, this pattern of Timothy's life. 2 Timothy 3, 14. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. See how this was just a part of Timothy's life, was being familiar with God's word. He was familiar with it. He knew it. It was inside of him. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. So there's, there's this wisdom, there's this maturing that comes from the word. We've talked about that process the last few weeks. Verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. I can learn stuff I didn't know. For reproof and correction. It can, it can correct me. It can get me back on course. And for training in righteousness. I can get better at things I don't know how to do. Like praying. It's training. It's equipping. That the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What the Bible does is it, it teaches us. It teaches us a few things. It teaches us what he's like. The more I realize and understand what God is like, I'm going to better recognize his voice in my life. Because the things he's going to say are going to be things that line up with his character. And so I'm learning about what he's like. But I'm also learning to recognize what his voice sounds like. Check this out, Hebrews 4.12. Y'all probably heard this verse before, maybe many times. For the word of God is living and active. Not dead, boring, <laughs> dusty. Oh, those pages are sticking together. I haven't, haven't opened those up in a while. It's alive, it's active. How is it alive and active? It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. Listen to this. Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's personal in my life. The Bible talks to me about me. It reveals things that are going on in me. 
The Bible is this living, active thing. This is going to lead into point two in just a minute. One of the ways that we learn how to recognize and hear God's voice is seeing the Bible come alive. Have you ever been reading a passage of Scripture and realized, that's for me right now today? That's exactly what I needed to hear. Maybe you even went, oh, it was sharp. Like, (laughs) that is exactly what I needed to hear, and I'm not super happy about it. That hurt a little bit. But that's him lovingly caring for you. When the Scripture talks about this being like a sword, the idea isn't that God wants to smite you or kill you. It's like a surgeon's knife. He wants to heal. The cutting hurts, but it's, it's cutting some stuff out that needs to get out of the way. Or it's, it's pre- preparing to prepare something. Pre- preparing to prepare? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> He's preparing you for healing. Let me get out some old infection. Let me stitch up an old wound. It's to bring healing. And so the word of God enables us to recognize his voice. That leads into number two. The second tool that we have in our prayer life is the Holy Spirit. When we take the word of God and we give that tool to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, he's got something to work with. And so part of how I recognize the Holy Spirit in my life is that When I start to think maybe I'm hearing something, you know how I'm going to know it's him and not me? It's going to sound like Jesus. It's going to sound like the word of God. My thoughts and ideas don't sound a whole lot like the Bible. Maybe yours do. Maybe you're a lot further along than me. My ideas are are pretty focused on me. How am I feeling? What am I getting out of this? I have a pretty selfish lens that I look at life through. But when God's saying something to me, It is for my benefit. He does care about me, but it's going to sound like him. I want to give you an example of this because it it just happened. Um, So, like, I I just, I I hope to remove some, some mystery here. So when we talk about hearing God's voice and the Holy Spirit's talking to you, here's an example. This happened this morning. So we're sitting in here, and we're all singing together, and Alex goes, it was at the end of the second song. And Alex is like, hey, take 30 seconds and let this floor you. I'm going to let it floor me. Y'all remember that moment? Yes, some of you have already forgotten. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was so floored I didn't even notice. He was just encouraging us to slow down and consider God's here and God's present. Can I tell you, as I was sitting there in my chair, hand to God, not making this up, I'm sitting there and, and pretty quickly in my little prayer, I'm, I'm going, God, I just I want to be aware of your presence. And literally... I said, God, help me not to be like Martha. Help me be like Mary and be aware of your presence. And God, I just pray that over all of us in this room, that we wouldn't be so busy and caught up in the doing that we miss you. And 15, 20 seconds later, Crystal's reading. I don't share that to say like, oh, look at Pastor Jake hearing God's voice so loudly. It, it can just be that normal. It's just that sense of like, God, I want to be aware of you. I want to listen to you. The reason that story came to mind is because I've read it a few times before. And because I can relate to it. Because he's told me at different times in my life, hey, knucklehead, you're being like Martha right now. And so it's just in there. It's familiar to me. And so I'm praying. And then the way I know God's talking to me is he gives me this little glimpse to go, hey, that was me. Like, you didn't just think of a Bible verse. That was me. Here's how you know, because now Crystal's going to share it. 
And you just have those cool aha moments where you walk away going, God, you were really talking to me. Guys, I'm not saying every moment of every day is like that. It's not. I experience plenty of quiet moments where I'm just not hearing him or plenty of my own stubborn moments where I'm not making time for him. But what I'm telling you is when, when we quiet ourselves just to be with him, no agenda, not I'm trying to get my way, not I'm trying to get stuff. God, I just want to spend time with you. And we believe I can hear his voice. And we, we bring the Bible into that. Okay, Lord, I'm spending time with you. And God, I want to hear what you're saying to me today, but God, I want to get better at recognizing your voice. I, I want you to sound familiar to me. I want your Holy Spirit to sound familiar to me. And so God, you tell me that this word is alive. Would it be alive today? Is there something you want to say, something you want to communicate? Or God, is this just equipment that I'm getting today so I can recognize your voice later? And so we take the word of God and we recognize that we have the spirit of God. And this is what Jesus describes that the Holy Spirit is going to do for us. This is in chapter 16, that same passage there in John's gospel. Chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus is saying, listen, my whole life I've been receiving stuff from the Father, and I've been telling you it. I've been sharing it with you. I've told you parables. I've preached sermons. I've prayed for you. I've, I've taught you things. I've lived this out. I receive stuff from the Father, and I'm giving it to you. And now as I'm getting ready to leave, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to teach you those things. And the ones you've already learned before, he's going to remind you of them. And when you're navigating through the course of your life, he's going to give you guidance based on those things hey, here's where that thing ties in in this situation today. Here's the path. Walk in it. And so he doesn't just leave us on our own to figure out the Bible. He gives us the Bible and he gives us his spirit to learn it, to understand it, and then to see daily how it relates in our life. Jesus, this is what that looks like in this moment as I'm driving through Knoxville, Tennessee, today. The Holy Spirit shows up to do that. Okay, now, I'm not going to do a whole thing on the Holy Spirit right here. We did a 14 or 15 part series on the Holy Spirit last fall into the winter, but I want to give you just a couple of things to help you cultivate this, okay? First of all, the way we cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit is we purpose in our hearts, I want to surrender to him. And what I mean by that is simply this. Listen for him and then listen to him. Listen for him. What I mean by that is, what if we woke up on Tuesday morning and expected that at some point on Tuesday, God might have something to say to me? Not if God's going to talk to me today, 
Lord, I want to be aware when you talk to me today. So it's that sense of expectation. So I'm going to listen for him. This is where my silly story at the beginning comes into play. If I'm so busy rushing through my day, he could be shouting at me and I'm not hearing it. But if I wake up going, God, I want to recognize that you're present. Holy Spirit, I'm surrendered to you. And so, God, I want to hear you speak today. I'm going to purposely give you some time for that. Maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening, maybe on my lunch break. Maybe I'm even going to open up your word and see if you want to speak through your word today. But God, I'm believing and expecting that you want to talk to me today. So I'm listening for your voice. And so I listen for him. And then part of surrender is listening to him. God, whatever you say, I'm going to purpose to do something with it. The most radical growing times that I have experienced personally in my relationship with God was when I simply was doing this. When I was purposing to spend time with him, when I was expecting to hear him and acted on what he said. And part of that, I don't, I don't mean I got it right all the time. I always obeyed. Part of what I would hear him say is reminding me of something I messed up back here that I needed to deal with. And so that's where repentance comes in. And so there is this cycle in our relationship with the Holy Spirit where if I'm listening for his voice, when he highlights something that needs to change, I'm willing to repent and say, God, you're right. I'm sorry. I missed that. Will you forgive me? Lord, I, I, I need you and I want to follow you and I, I know that you're working for my good. And when instead he's not having to correct something, he's just encouraging me in a certain direction. He's teaching me something, saying yes to it. God, yes, I want to do something with that. Let's, let's not, I know spiritual things can be unfamiliar to us as natural people, but we are spiritual beings. It's a part of how God made us. And that can be cultivated. And so let his word teach you how to do that and let your, your attitude, how you view the Holy Spirit, grow you in this. Expect him to show up and talk to you. Be ready to respond to what he might say. It's, it's really as simple like, as this. It's listening for him and then either repenting or obeying, depending on what the situation calls for. And, and then the key part of this, and this is what, man, this is what really develops that sense of God is with me, is realizing the things he calls me to, he helps me to do them. He doesn't tell me to do stuff apart from him. He's inviting me to do stuff with him. And so realizing the same God who would talk to me is the same God who's going to help me live that out. I can now do that because he's with me and in me. Is this making sense? Okay, last thing, quickly. Um, the third gift he's given us that helps us cultivate recognizing his voice is the people of God. He's given us each other. Now, you kind of see this all through this passage, John 14, 15, 16, and 17. He talks about them being one with each other and us abiding in him and him abiding in us. But here's a picture of this in John 17, verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. He's given us each other, 
And when we realize that what happens to one affects another, what's going on in Nick's life affects me. We're, we're connected because we're in the family of God. And so when I live in that awareness and then recognize, hey, there's enough times where that's difficult, there's also times where it's a gift that I'm connected with other people. And so, man, if I'm needing to hear from God or I think maybe I have heard from God, I run it by some other people who love Jesus and who care about me and know me. Those are all important pieces. Know Jesus, know me, care about me. They're they're involved enough in my life to know, hey, that kind of sounds a little bit more like something you're just hoping for there. But when we're in relationship with each other, we can, we can help each other. There's some really cool pictures of this. Um, when we talked about hearing God's voice last year, we went through, through going through the Holy Spirit series. I mentioned both of these, so I'm not going to take the time to fully unpack them. But there's an example in Acts chapter 18 where there's this guy named Apollos who's loving Jesus and preaching the gospel. And he's, he's preaching good stuff. And he goes to this one town and this couple that know the Lord are hearing him preach. And it says that he was preaching accurately the things of God. And after they heard him preach, they took him to the side. And the scripture says, and they taught him more accurately. They didn't embarrass him in front of everybody. They took him aside gently and lovingly and coached him a little bit for his benefit and growth. And he received it and matured in his faith. He grew. Some, somebody helped him hear God. We see an example of this in Acts 21. Multiple people are telling Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. And the passage makes it really clear. They were hearing from God. They were being prompted by the Holy Spirit to tell him. In fact, one guy had this like vision and goes into Paul and says, give me your belt, and takes Paul's belt and wraps up his hands. And he says, the person that this belt belongs to is going to be bound in chains in Jerusalem, just like this. And Paul does what we often do and didn't listen. (laughs) And he was in prison the rest of his life. God will use people to to help us recognize his voice and his presence. These are tools and they all kind of work together. The word of God, developing a sense of recognizing his spirit talking to me, realizing God has placed me in relationship with other people and, and they care about me, and I care about them, and we can mutually benefit and build each other up. These are ways that we can recognize God's voice. Listen, there's other examples. We can hear his voice through circumstances. We can, we can recognize him talking to us through supernatural signs, dreams, visions, things of that nature. I would just encourage you that if you think you're hearing God's voice through a circumstance or a supernatural sign, run them through the grid of the first three we talked about. Do those circumstances, do those supernatural signs, do they line up with the word of God? Does it resonate with the Holy Spirit that's within you or does something feel off? Do the the people around you go, yeah, amen, I recognize that, I see that. Look for those, those confirmations. These are ways, these are examples that we recognize and hear God's voice. Jesus intended for us to have a relationship with the Father. I realize it's easy to look at his life and go, well, that's an impossible standard. I can't spend as much time with the Father as Jesus did. 
Well, don't even worry about that being the goal. Just go, hey, he loved his father and loved spending time with his father, and he wants me to have the same thing. So what would it look like if I said yes to that? What would it look like if I conditioned my life more and more to recognize God's voice and presence in my life? As we move ahead in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about different circumstances in life that we find ourselves in, those valley seasons, those hard seasons where we just kind of feel like we're wandering through the desert. And and I believe God wants to have conversations with us, wants to be present with us in those various seasons of life that we face. Let's just not wait till we're there. Let's, Let's have a solid foundation of having a real, ongoing conversation, dialogue with the God who loves us and made us to be in relationship with him. And then let's watch how he will father us through some of the various circumstances of life that we're in. Amen? All right. I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to start the prayer by just simply reading this verse. This is from John 10, 27. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's the whole deal. So God, would you help us to hear your voice, to be aware that you know us and that you're inviting us to follow you. God, that we're made for this, that it's good for us. Jesus, I pray that more and more we could fall in love with the Father that you know, the Father that you long to spend time with, the one that you cared about, so much that you made it a part of your lifestyle to spend time with him. The one that you sought guidance for before making major decisions or facing some of life's hardest circumstances. Jesus, the God that you would listen to and also talk to about the people you cared about. Lord, I pray that it would become more and more of our daily rhythm Father, to be having conversations with you. God, I want to pray specifically for folks here this morning who feel like they've had that in the past and it's just dried up a little bit. Maybe they can relate to being busy like Martha. Maybe they just feel like they're in a hard desert season where they're not hearing your voice. God, maybe there's been disappointment. Something you said wasn't the answer they were looking for. Jesus, give them the courage to do what you did and say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Watch how you make beauty from ashes, how you make new life even out of death. Jesus, maybe the reason we're stuck is you asked us to do something and we didn't do it. Or you highlighted some area we needed to repent in and we refused to. And we need to go back to that issue and say yes to you right there or repent to you of that thing. Help us to do that. God, I also pray for anyone that this is brand new territory. Thinking about you like this, thinking about hearing your voice and having conversations with you feels strange, unfamiliar, it's intimidating. God, I pray that they'd have the courage to just take the next step. To open up your word, to recognize the the presence of your spirit in their lives, to lean on some other people around them, and to begin to cultivate a heart and a mindset that expects to hear you speak and that plans to respond to you when you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning.
Amen.